0: As thou hast said in a revelation given to us, calling us thy friends, saying, Call your solemn assembly, as I have commanded you. Doctrine and Covenants, section 109, verse 6. Hello, listeners. This is Nick from Book of Mormon Central, and today's podcast addresses the question Why was Doctrine and Covenants, section 88, quoted in section 109? Doctrine and Covenants, section 88, sometimes called the olive leaf, Is one of Joseph Smith's most eloquent and expansive revelations. It opens with eternal vistas on multiple topics Jesus Christ, the light of the universe, verses 1 through 13, degrees of glory and divine perspectives on the relativity of laws within kingdoms, verses 36 through 61, and how God's Spirit will be poured out upon all the faithful who sincerely ask, verses 62 through 68. Following that soul-stretching instruction, the Lord asks His people to remember God's ultimate promises and invites them to come together in solemn, sanctifying assemblies. Verses 69-75 In January 1831, years before Joseph received that revelation, the Lord commanded the saints to go to Ohio, where they would be given the law, and there you shall be endowed with power from on high. Doctrine and Covenants, section 38, verse 32 Two years later, in January 1833, it was time to take the next step to receiving that promised blessing by building a house of the Lord in Kirtland. In delivering Doctrine and Covenants section 88 to the saints, Joseph called it the Lord's message of peace to us. This revelation gave assurance that the Lord was pleased with the efforts of His faithful saints. The purpose of the temple still today is to direct us into the presence of the Lord and to help us become at peace with Him. To construct the temple, much physical work needed to be done. Stones needed to be cut, lumber milled, windows framed, and floor-to-ceiling curtains hung. At that same time, extensive spiritual preparations were needed. As a key step in preparing the church for the dedication of the Kirtland Temple, the School of the Prophets was created based on the instruction given in D&C 88, verses 77-80. through And I give unto you a commandment that you shall teach one another the doctrine of the kingdom. Teach ye diligently, and my grace shall attend you, that you may be instructed more perfectly in theory, in principle, in doctrine, in the law of the gospel, and in all things that pertain unto the kingdom of God, that are expedient for you to understand of things both in heaven and in the earth, and under the earth, things which have been, things which are, things which must shortly come to pass things which are at home, things which are abroad, the wars and the perplexities of the nations, and the judgments which are on the land, and a knowledge also of countries and of kingdoms, that they may be prepared in all things when I shall send you again to magnify the calling whereunto I have called you, and the mission with which I have commissioned you. Continuing on in Doctrine and Covenants section 88 verses 117 through 126, even further instructions for this important educational training experience were given. The words in bold italics are quoted in Doctrine and Covenants, section 109, verses 6 through 9, and are then repeated in Doctrine and Covenants, section 109, verses 16 through 19, as discussed here next. Therefore, verily I say unto you, my friends, call your solemn assembly, as I have commanded you, and as all have not faith, seek ye diligently and teach one another words of wisdom. Yea, seek ye out of the best books, words of wisdom. Seek learning, even by study and also by faith. Organize yourselves, prepare every needful thing. Establish a house, even a house of prayer, a house of fasting, a house of faith, a house of learning, a house of glory, a house of order, a house of God, that your incomings may be in the name of the Lord, that your outgoings may be in the name of the Lord that all your salutations may be in the name of the Lord, with uplifted hands unto the Most High. Therefore, cease from all your light speeches, from all laughter, from all your lustful desires, from all your pride and light-mindedness, and from all your wicked doings. Appoint among yourselves a teacher, and let not all be spokesmen at once, but let one speak at a time, and let all listen unto his sayings that when all have spoken, that all may be edified of all, and that every man may have an equal privilege. See that ye love one another. Cease to be covetous. Learn to impart one to another as the gospel requires. Cease to be idle. Cease to be unclean. Cease to find fault one with another. Cease to sleep longer than is needful. Retire to thy bed early, that ye may not be weary. Arise early, that your bodies and your minds may be invigorated. And above all things, clothe yourselves with the bond of charity, as with a mantle, which is the bond of perfectness and peace. Pray always that ye may not faint until I come. Behold, and lo, I will come quickly, and receive you unto myself. Amen. As an excerpt from this long revelation, the entire second block of verses above, Doctrine and Covenants section 88, verses 117-126, through was published in the February 1833 issue of The Evening and the Morning Star. That impressive text served pedagogically as the mission statement for the School of the Prophets, and together with the remaining verses at the end of this long revelation, verses 127-137, through all of these inspired directives were used as the school rules for the conduct of students and teachers alike in the School of the Prophets. That school was an integral part of the plans being laid for the construction and eventual use of the Kirtland Temple. The cornerstone of the Kirtland Temple was laid on July 23, 1833, and work progressed apace. The first edition of the Doctrine and Covenants was published on September 24, 1835. In it, what is now Doctrine and Covenants section 88 verses 1-137 through was included along with four additional verses, now verses 138-141. through The perceived importance of this revelation to the saints at that time is reflected in its position in that volume as the seventh revelation. It thus stood near the head of the 100 revelations contained in that edition. Printed copies of the Book of Scripture became available by the end of 1835, in time for the commencement, in January 1836, of all night sessions in preparation for the dedication of the Kirtland Temple on March 27th and April 3rd, 1836. That was when the dedicatory prayer, now Doctrine and Covenants Section 109, was given in a pair of repeated dedicatory services. Those sessions filled the temple to overflowing on both the main floor and in the assembly hall above. Based on the number of people known to have been crowded into the building, one modern structural engineer has wondered why the upper floor did not collapse onto the hundreds of people below. The construction was not designed to bear that kind of weight. The magnificent manifestations of Pentecost-like spiritual powers and the appearance of Jesus Christ, Elias, Moses and Elijah were testified of immediately and by many who were in attendance. Those miraculous experiences were, no doubt, inspired and triggered by the words of what is now Doctrine and Covenant section 109. That canonized prayer began by giving thanks and by attesting to the enormous sacrifices that had been made to present unto the Lord the building. The prayer also began by rehearsing words, bolded and italicized, from Doctrine and Covenants section 117 through 120, which had been given by the Lord more than three years earlier. And as thou hast said in a revelation given to us, calling us thy friends, saying, Call your solemn assembly, as I have commanded you, And as all have not faith, seek ye diligently, and teach one another words of wisdom. Yea, seek ye out of the best books words of wisdom. Seek learning, even by study, and also by faith. Organize yourselves, prepare every needful thing, and establish a house, even a house of prayer, a house of fasting, a house of faith, a house of learning, a house of glory, a house of order, and a house of God. That your incomings may be in the name of the Lord that your outgoings may be in the name of the Lord, that all your salutations may be in the name of the Lord, with uplifted hands unto the Most High. Then, after praying that the glory of the Holy Father would rest down upon thy people, and that his holy presence may be continually in this house, the dedicatory prayer went on to petition the Lord that the temple would empower worshippers to go forth honorably and with divine power, revisiting once again several words and phrases from Doctrine and Covenants section 38 verse 32 and Doctrine and Covenants section 88 verse 117, verse 119, 120, and 124 as follows. And do thou grant, Holy Father, that all those who shall worship in this house may be taught words of wisdom out of the best books, and that they may seek learning even by study and also by faith, as thou hast said, and that they may grow up in thee, and receive a fullness of the Holy Ghost, and be organized according to thy laws, and be prepared to obtain every needful thing, and that this house may be a house of prayer, a house of fasting, a house of faith, a house of glory and of God, even thy house, that all the incomings of thy people into this house may be in the name of the Lord, that all their outgoings from this house may be in the name of the Lord, and that all their salutations may be in the name of the Lord, With holy hands uplifted to the Most High, and that no unclean thing shall be permitted to come into thy house to pollute it, and when thy people transgress any of them, they may speedily repent and return unto thee, and find favor in thy sight, and be restored to the blessings which thou hast ordained to be poured out upon those who shall reverence thee in thy house. These blocks of text near the beginning of Doctrine and Covenants, section 109, first report to the Lord precisely what had been done to fulfill the commands that he had given in Doctrine and Covenant section 88. The prayer then petitions that all who come to worship in the Lord's house will be blessed in all the ways the Lord had promised in Doctrine and Covenant section 88. Doctrine and Covenants section 88 and 109 are thus connected, but they serve different purposes. The one begins the process, and the other marks the completion of that process. Similarly, related developments further connect these two revelatory pronouncements. For example, on the one hand, in December 1832, Doctrine and Covenants section 88 had featured a long section of warnings from the Lord, while in 1836, Doctrine and Covenants section 109 featured the Lord's glory. Thus, the central part of Doctrine and Covenants section 88, verses 87-117, through focuses extensively on warnings that will be given to the outside world when seven trumpets sound as Jesus Christ comes and overcomes death and Satan. The word warn appears five times in Doctrine and Covenants section 88, but only once in Doctrine and Covenants section 109. And nothing is said in that dedicatory prayer about the apocalyptic trumpets ominously sounding to the Gentiles abroad. Instead, and in fulfilling contrast, the dedicatory prayer turns its attention inwardly to God, inside this house of the Lord and within its walls of blessings and glory. There, ultimately, ten attributes of God are reverently revered, namely His glory, honor, power, majesty, might, dominion, truth, justice, judgment, and mercy. Here, saints extol the infinity of fullness from everlasting to everlasting. Here the anointed ones are clothed with salvation and will shout aloud for joy. In addition to the direct quotes, it is interesting to note that Doctrine and Covenants section 88 and 109 share other intriguing verbal similarities. For example, the word seven is mentioned three times in Doctrine and Covenants section 88 in reference to the seventh angel. The word glory appears a total of 21 times in Doctrine and Covenants section 88. And then it appears eight times in Doctrine and Covenants section 109. As the last trump sounds, the angels will be crowned with the glory of the Lord's might, and the saints shall be filled with His glory, and receive their inheritance, and be made equal with Him. And then it shall sound again before Satan is loosed and finally defeated. In Doctrine and Covenants section 109, three divine titles, God, Holy Father, and Lord, each appear exactly seven times. That number of ominous finality occurs in reference to the seven trumpets in Doctrine and Covenants section 88. It then affirms the presentation of the orderly and dedicated completion of the temple building. While the words God, Father, and Lord appear often in Doctrine and Covenants section 88, there they had appeared a random number of times. Other verbal comparisons and continuities between these two texts reinforce these revelations as bookends. In Doctrine and Covenants section 88, the hopeful quest to seek the face and to see the countenance of the Lord is mentioned eight times. Then, in Doctrine and Covenants section 109, the lone mention of the word face comes in connection with God actually turning away his wrath when the people repent. He then graciously looks upon the face of thine anointed and will be merciful. The quest that was the focus in Doctrine and Covenants section 88 has reached its conclusion in Doctrine and Covenants section 109. In Doctrine and Covenants section 88 and 109, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost are mentioned only twice and once, respectively. And while the words holy and holiness never appear in Doctrine and Covenants section 88, they appear frequently in the holy dedicatory moment in Doctrine and Covenants section 109, specifically 13 times and one time, respectively. While there are definitely differences between these two sections in the Doctrine and Covenants, certainly, words actually appear precisely an equal number of times in each. These shared elements solidify their interdependency and interrelatedness. The one as a beginning and the other an ending. These words include Power, referring to God's power mentioned eight times. Testimony, seven times, Church of God, four times, Fullness, three times, Gentile, one time, Unclean, one time, Mercy, Justice, Judgment. This triad appears in both sections, although in a partially inverted order. Because they are given duties in Doctrine and Covenant section 88, presidents are mentioned three times. Because they are being blessed, presidents are mentioned once, in Doctrine and Covenant Section 109. In contraposition, the word seal is introduced once in Doctrine and Covenant Section 88, but then with finality it appears three times in Doctrine and Covenant Section 109. Prayer is always important, and that word happens to appear significantly seven times in Doctrine and Covenant Section 88. On the occasion of the solemn dedication, Various words for praying appear exactly twice as often, a total of 14 times in Doctrine and Covenants section 109, namely prayer two times, ask nine times, beseech one time, and petitions two times, for a total of 14. Amen appears four times in Doctrine and Covenants section 88, while it appears half as often, or twice, in Doctrine and Covenants section 109. In sum, many factors help us to answer the question why is section 88 quoted in section 109? These two sections are both related to the Kirtland Temple, first to its construction and then to its dedication. One gives the blueprint and the other celebrates the completion of this splendid showpiece. A large block of text from section 88 is quoted verbatim. In two segments, in section 109, showing that the commandments of the Lord had been fulfilled diligently and conscientiously. Individual words in section 88 are recycled in section 109, deftly drawing attention to the glorious offerings that the saints had made to their Lord and God. Details in these two sections are carefully interwoven throughout. Those saints who knew and had closely followed the mandates of section 88 would have heard those intertextual allusions more consciously, and more naturally than readers do today. The detailed composition of these two sections, both individually and as a pair of texts, is sublime, beyond human design. In the life and times of the 1830s, these two sections work together hand in glove. Here and now, two centuries later, as well as into eternity, let them not be separated, whether by unawareness, inadvertence, indifference, or ingratitude. Thank you for listening. To find out more, please visit bookofmormoncentral.org and then click on Know Why.